So uh, for some of you, I know that we can relate to each other because just me pulling out this ladder and putting it here has made you nervous. Anybody with like willing to admit that your palms got a little bit sweaty, your feet, that's me. I just, all I did was carry this ladder over here and set it up and I'm, my hands are sweating a little, just a little bit. I do not like this object. Um, I, I think the reason that we have more ground than anything else is because God meant for us to have our feet on it. I, I don't understand why this contraption exists. There's something about heights that just doesn't make sense. We don't have wings. We're not meant to fly or anything like that. So those of you, how many of you, like, you don't care, you can get up on this ladder, like you would s- step on the top rung? You see, I don't, I don't understand that kind of stuff. It just does not make sense to me. We've got a bigger ladder uh, right, right over here to reach light bulbs and stuff like that. I, like, I didn't even want to bring that out, that thing. And I've been on it, too. And that's the thing. Like, I'll get up on the ladder, but it's... I, I can't stand it. It's terrible. And so as we're closing out this series, I, it, to me, it makes perfect sense that when we talk about climbing the ladder in life, the corporate ladder, you know, trying to reach the top, like it, it, it makes total sense that that's the analogy that we chose to use because it's kind of crazy. It's a, it's a crazy way to live life. It makes you nervous. It's not nearly as stable as we think it is. See, I almost knocked it off the stage. Uh, right then. It's not nearly as stable as we think it is, and it takes our perspective away from how God wants us to think about why he blesses us with the things that he does, why he provides us with our needs, and even our wants, and joyfully gives us good gifts as we go through this life. But there's something about this ladder that we get caught up in, and we get hijacked when it comes to our perspective and how God wants us to live our life. And so what we're going to do this morning is really take a different look at this ladder, a look in the way that God would have us do that. And we base this all on this one foundational truth that we're all invited to believe in when it comes to God. And it comes from Psalm chapter 24, verse 1, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And when we take hold of that truth and we start to believe that and start to live that out in our lives, we start to recognize a few things. And so over the past couple weeks, we've talked about some foundational truths that come from that belief. Uh, The first is that all that is mine is actually God's. It's really from God. The things that we have, the things that we enjoy in this life, it really does come from Him. And embracing this truth reminds us that we can trust God to provide for us. It helps us to live with gratitude for what he's given, and it helps us to embrace this second truth that we talked about last week, is that we can actually live joyfully within God's provision for our life. That, that is a thing that we can do. If you don't think about your stuff and your money and your possessions in a joyful way, like if you have to get up on your ladder today uh, to get on top of your house to do something, you're dreading that, and it's not like, oh, I have, a, I have a house, and I'm privileged to be able to do that, then maybe it's time to rethink or shift our thinking or perspective on why God has provided us with stuff that we can be joyful with. Whatever provision that we have, and rather than trying to attempt to arrange, we talked about debt last week, another way to get what I want, uh, which typically means going into debt, we can be joyful with what God has given us. And so, We're going to talk about trusting God more than we trust our stuff today, and we're going to step on this ladder in a different way. And to do that, we're going to be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 6. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there, phone, tablet, whatever. And in this passage, in this letter, actually, and there's two letters that are written to Timothy, this guy, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, is the mentor for Timothy. Timothy, we're going to call him a pastor, essentially, and he's at this church in a town called Ephesus, and he's telling him how to pastor this church. 
And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, in verse 17, here's what Paul says. It says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, this is one of those moments in church where you're kind of like, oh, so he's talking to rich people. So that's cool. I don't have to listen. Like, I'm going to. So if you're rich, if you could come up to the front. And I'm totally kidding. I know some of you are like visiting here for the first time. We don't do that kind of stuff here. So you're good. Don't worry about it. Those who are rich in this world, most of us are going to say, like, I'm not rich. He's talking about the 1%, right? That's, that's who he's talking about. This is, this is not me. Rich people go to Starbucks and order the, what's the largest one that's called? Is Venti? Is that what it is? Yeah, that's, rich people do that. Like, that's, that's what rich people do. They can order a Venti at Starbucks, you know? That's the 1%. They're the ones who pay more taxes, or maybe not. I don't know. I don't pay attention. And while it might be true that people are wealthier than you, let's put some of this in perspective. All right, just a little bit of perspective. If you have sufficient food, decent clothes, live in a house or apartment, and have reasonably reliable means of transportation, you are among the top 15% of the world's wealthy. If you earn $25,000 or more annually, you're in the top 10% of the world's income earners. And if you earn more than $50,000 annually, you're in the top 1% of the world's income earners. A little bit of perspective, a little bit of shift in the paradigm. So I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer, all right? The answer is, I am. All right? You guys got that? Let's try it. Okay. But that was not enthusiastic <laughs> at, at all because you know what the questions are. Who's rich? Who's wealthy? Who in this room is among the wealthiest 15% in the world? I am. So, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to command the people who are rich in your church, preach to them, what does pride look like when it uh, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud? And what does pride look like when it comes to money? Pride says the money I make is mine. The money I have is what I deserve. I've earned it. I'm in charge of it. He says teach them not to do this. Teach them to have the perspective that with their stuff, they need to be humble. And humility says, sure, maybe I worked for this with my hands, but these hands were given to me by God. Sure, I may have used my brain the talents that God give, gave me to achieve this in my life, but these were given to me by God. Humility says, all that is mine, and it's really God's anyway. By the God who, as Paul goes on to say, richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Again, there's that perspective. It's like, if we don't have joy when it comes to our stuff, then maybe we're not looking at it in the way that God intends for us. So he says, teach those who are rich not to trust in money, which is so unreliable, so unreliable their trust should be in God. And I know you've had that. I know you've had that, those moments where you know money is not something you can rely on. Easy come, easy go. All of us have been in that situation before where we thought, hey, man, the thing that would really change my life in this moment, if I, if I, and I know you're thinking this right now because I think it too on occasion, is that really my problems would be taken care of if I just had a little bit more money. That would make things so much easier, and it would set me up so much better for life and living forward. But that's stepping on this ladder, the shaky ladder that we've been 
told to follow. And if you listen to commercials and you go get self-help books, look in a magazine, whatever it is, you listen to enough, sometimes even sermons, you'll be led to believe that, man, just a little bit more money, just a little bit more faith and trust that if I live the way that God wants me to, he'll make me wealthier and that's going to help me. You'll be led to believe that money is the solution to the problem. And yet we know every time we've stepped on that ladder, at some point it's gotten shaky, and at some point we've tumbled down. But God, not only does he want us to be joyful of his provision in our life, but he wants us to be free from the stress and anxiety and worry that comes from basing all of our hopes and dreams and joy on the foundation of money and stuff. And so here's what Paul says in verse 18 of 1 Timothy chapter 6. He gives the antidote for our dependence on money. And he says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. So the latter, then, can be looked at a little bit differently. That this is not, in God's economy and in God's kingdom, the path to success and to power and to possessions. This latter can represent our willingness to actually trust God with our finances. It can represent steps not to prosperity, but steps to generosity, to sacrifice and faith and trust. But at the foundation, we need to have the promise that we heard from God earlier in our first week in this series. And so I want to read these words from Jesus again. And again, this is from the message paraphrase. And he says, what I'm trying, and this is Matthew chapter 6, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't have to worry. God will provide. So the challenge for us is to trust and to put our faith in God who says that we can try, rely on him. The challenge is to rest our thinking and how we deal with our stuff on this third truth that Paul gives us, is that we can be generous and willing to share. When, when Paul uses this word generous, it's funny. I think generous is a generous word here because the, the word actually means ready to uh, distribute which is kind of funny, like that's not nearly as, as glamorous as a way to think about it. But if you look back at Acts chapter 2, verse 45, that's what the early church was doing. Is they were gathering together, they were giving and selling as each had need, distributing among each other and to the poor. And, and that's what God had called them to do as a church and as a gathering, is that they were sharing their material wealth. And it may sound counterintuitive in this life, but let me just give you a picture of what this ladder can look like when our foundation is on a, on a trust in God. And, and what I want you to understand through this is that this is a change in thinking in our heart. All right? So, so the first thing is, you may be in church for the first time or visiting or, or something like that. And this idea, or maybe you remember back when you first became a Christian and then all of a sudden you know, said something about giving offering or tithing. You're like, well, that's a bait and switch. You know, Get me baptized and now you want my money. You know, and that's, maybe that was kind of your, your first impression. And so that first time that you gave, that initial giving, when, when you did that, like that was a big deal for you. And I think it rightfully so, that is a big deal. And when you finally like, start to try to trust, step out on faith a little bit and believe that, all right, so, so God has this system in, in place where he wants us to use our stuff 
to the glory of his kingdom. And so, okay, I'm going to branch out a little bit and try that out. That is a huge deal. And then as you go a little bit like, and as your thinking is, is again, you kind of decide, hey, I'm going to try to think of this in the way that God does, look at God's economy and his kingdom. How is that going to affect my life? Then you think about giving regularly. And so that's a thing. That's a step that you take in your thinking. Or then you, you start to become intentional about that giving regularly. And so whatever, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to give once a month or whatever that is. And then you're intentional and you start to look at, oh, okay, perspective-wise, what's more important, God's kingdom or how much I spend on my cell phone bill? And, and the idea is, like, not to have a cell phone, but if I'm willing to spend more on a cell phone than I am in investing in God's kingdom, okay, maybe there's some intentionality there that shifts for me. Or sacrificial giving, that's when, that's when we get a little, a little uncomfortable. It's like, maybe, maybe instead of ordering the venti at Starbucks, I could order the, what's the next size now? Grande, yeah, small, medium, large, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, the medium one, you know, and maybe, maybe I could go a little bit without, and maybe that's a step for you, and invest more in God's kingdom. And then... As your thinking progresses, then you get into the legacy giver, giving. And, and here, here's how I want you to th think about this. A lot of times, and, it, and it's easy this way because there is this principle in, in the Bible about giving 10%, and we focus on a percentage and, and number giving and that kind of, kind of stuff. And I think there's some wisdom in that. But there's also a shift in thinking where we stop thinking about, hey, what can I take of my stuff and how much can I carve off for God and give to him. And, and we flow into this thinking that's more of, okay, how much, how much do I actually need that God's given me provision for that I need to keep? There's a subtlety there. There's a nuance and shift in our thinking where our scope for life is not the top of this ladder, but it's something beyond it's a scope for eternity and recognizing that my choices now, even the little things and how I handle my things, don't impact just my life period, but they go far beyond that as well. And this is the way that we start to see our hearts and our change. Those of us who are rich and seeing a difference from our pride and our stuff and entering into a more humble way of thinking of how God has provided for us. Godly generosity... This is our third, third tr truth for this series. Godly generosity builds a kingdom legacy. Each rung of the ladder, each change in our thinking requires faith from the first step to the, to the top. But it re requires embracing this truth and understanding that God, God has something so much more in mind when it comes to this life. And I get that many of us are afraid of heights. Many of us are afraid of trust. Many of us make our money, our money decisions based on fear more than anything else. And I get it. It is much more comfortable to stay on the ground because sometimes this ladder seems a little bit shaky. But God's promises hold firm. So I want to illustrate this and just kind of acknowledge something that I think is in the air whenever you talk about giving is that you can have two people, two different people, right? Two Christians grow up in the same church. Call them Bob and Sally. I don't know why, but that's what we're going to call them. They read the same Bible. They hear the same messages. They hear the same things about what God says when it comes to how we should think about our things. And yet both approach their life in different ways. Okay, Bob, let's say Bob, 
when he gets his paycheck, when he thinks about this, this idea of how he's going to live life and what his goals are, what his hopes and dreams are, and what God has called him to, maybe even, he thinks, man, once I get from A to B, then I will be ready. I'll be ready to step on on faith. I'll be ready to trust God with my stuff. And so as long as I use 100% right now of my resources, I will get to where I want to go. All right. Sally, on the other hand, approaches life a little bit differently. She says, all right, I've been in the same stuff. Been in, and, and, I, and I look at this, and I, and I look at how to live my life, and, and what I think God is calling me to do is think about this a little bit differently. And so when she thinks about how to reach from A to B, Sally's not thinking about, oh, I need 100% of what God gives me to be able to do that. She says, you know what? I really only need 95%, 90%, whatever it is. Percentage is really not that important. What's important is the heart and the joy that's experienced. And so both of these people, Bob and Sally, are looking at each other, and they're saying, Sally's looking at Bob and thinking, he thinks he needs 100% of his income really to make it through life? That's kind of weird. And, and Bob is looking over at Sally, she's given 10% of her income away? Like, that's, that's kind of weird. And they both think each other's crazy. Is that okay to say? All right, is that fair? They both look at each other like they're nuts. It's like, I, I don't understand this. This is weird. Bob is thinking, man, you, life is tough. You've got to plan. You've got to prepare. You've got to have all these things on lock. And Sally is looking at Bob and thinking, how can you get from A to B without relying on God? And there's this shift in thinking where you think, man, all I have is God's. And Jesus, man, thank you for eternal life. And I trust you for that, just not with my bank account. Here's what Paul says to Timothy. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. And in this way, in verse 19, in this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. There is something that we miss out on when we think, that we need all of our stuff in order to get from A to B. The stuff does nothing to help us get from A to B. God does that. God is the one who provides. God is the one who makes that happen. And the reality is, the goal isn't even B. The goal is something much further beyond that. In God's economy, 100% is less than 90%. Or whatever percentage you want to put in there to entrust to his kingdom. With God, there is another level far beyond the top rung of the ladder, beyond what we can achieve. There's also C. C is the place where we get to see God do things beyond what we could ever imagine happening on our own. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Because I've seen you give and I've seen you come together and say, hey, you know what? This baptistry down in Granada, Nicaragua, we're going to come together and we're going to give to that because we know that that's more important. And the investment in that kingdom and the lives that will be changed there is more important than my vente or venti, however you pronounce it, at Starbucks. Vente. Sounds fancier that way. 
Or man, you know, this community center that they're about to build in Nicaragua. I, my examples are Nicaragua. N- Neil just got back from a, a quick trip down there. We posted some pictures on our Facebook, some updated stuff that are they're having. Man, that's amazing. Or the, the pictures in our video of people that are, that are being baptized or the things that happen behind the scenes when somebody says, you know what, I've had this thing happen, this emergency happen in my life, and I need, I need the church to kind of give and sell as each has, has needs, and that those things happen. And I see people bringing in huge buckets of paint on a Sunday morning because they know that, that things are happening and they have these things to share and to give. Man, that, that happens. And you know that when we trust in God with our money rather than being overwhelmed by our, by our financial situation, that God instead overwhelms us with his provision and his blessing. But most importantly, God has used the money we've entrusted with him to bless others and bring them back to him. I mean, this, the existence of the church, even of velocity specifically, is a result of, of the C, not the A to B. Hundreds of people finding their way back to God, more churches started, ministry in other countries, hope being found because men and women. And by the way, for the record, and students and youth and kids in our church have trusted in God more than you've trusted in money. So Bob and Sally both think each other is crazy. The question is, which kind of crazy do you want to be? I'm Sally crazy. My life is more of a C story kind of life. And it's because, you know, a little bit crazy to trust in God's economy and his kingdom and his foundation rather than stuff. So what I hope that you'll see is that being generous leads to freedom, that doing good for others is good for your life, as Paul talks about this, that the reason giving is part of our worship is that it's both an acknowledgement of God's sovereignty and lordship over our life and an act of obedience, but there's also the joy of partnering with God in what he's doing in the kingdom. Who's rich? I am. Who's wealthy? Me. And what do we do with our wealth? Well, we have an opportunity to recognize these three truths. That all that is mine is from God. That you and I can live joyfully within God's provision. And that godly generosity builds a kingdom legacy far beyond ourselves. So whatever that step looks like in your life, maybe for you it's, it's going through Financial Peace University <laughs> to, to actually like get to the point where you can be joyful of God's and content with God's provision in our life. Um, whatever that looks like when it comes to how you look at your stuff and the progression of thinking of God's provision and that he's given you enough and me enough to reinvest in his kingdom and what that looks like in your life and where you are on the ladder. Whatever that looks like this week as you evaluate and pray for that no that we can have joy when it comes to this. And this is a reminder and something that we get to share in as a church, that every time we see something good happen and a change in someone's life, that when we've invested in this, like we are a part of that. And that's how God brings us together as one in service to him. Let me pray as we consider and think through these things this week. God, thank you for... Um, your provision. Thank you for this different way of thinking of, of life, a way that removes stress and anxiety and worry in our lives, that, that we get to climb the ladder in a different way, and that it's a foundation that's not shaky, 
when we follow your way. God, we thank you for uh, that joy that we get to experience as we come together as one and see the results of your work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.